Ephesians chapter 5. Isn't that a powerful song? What you saying? I wish, I wish all of you could be up here hearing you sing it this direction. Uh, having the congregation sing to you uh, or towards you is a tremendous thing. It really is. Ephesians chapter 5. It looks like we had a partial rapture. <laughs> We've been left behind. They're gone. Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I'm in Philippians, and that doesn't read a bit like it. Ephesians 5. And one verse here, and I'm going to give you a simple but powerful Bible truth this morning. Ephesians 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, loving like Jesus. It almost sounds like a presumptuous title, doesn't it? But yet the Bible tells us a lot of different things about how to love as our Lord did. Uh, as a people, and I'm saying just humanity in general, we have a lot to learn about loving. Um, I mentioned in my Sunday school class, uh, when we think of God as our Heavenly Father in a loving relationship with Him, that can be severely tainted and, and affected by what type of relationship did we have with our Father. And I told our class, I said, it put, can put a hurdle in your path for having that open relationship with the Lord. Not insurmountable, but a hurdle. And especially if someone has had either a, um, a father that just was totally not there for them or worse yet, one that was abusive in some way towards them. Um, you have to learn from the Scripture and by experience that your Heavenly Father is not like that. Well, can I say to you, a lot of what we have grown up, no matter what your age is in here, a lot of what you've grown up seeing labeled or heard labeled as love is not actually love. Some of it is. There are different levels of love. But some of it, what is lust, which is self-serving, is labeled as love. And... Uh, Loving like Jesus is the, uh, is the perfecting work of our Christian life. In other words, we got saved the day I got saved back in July of 1980. I could have went to heaven right then. The Lord could have taken me, but He didn't. And part of what's going on, I'm being made fitted for heaven while I'm going through the uh, school of adversity in this life. And so, uh, during the love like Jesus. The command we read here and the admonition, the love as Christ loves does not just apply to the marriage situation. I chose that verse to start the, the message with because it so starkly states it there. But let me show you some other verses that deal with the fact this is not just for the marriage relationship, but it's supposed to be for every relationship. Look in John chapter 13. Let me show you a few of these. John was a very loving man towards the Lord. And the Lord used him to teach us much about loving God. One of the best early books for a, a young convert to get into in reading in the Bible is the book of John. Because it tells you much about the relationship and the loving relationship between you and the Savior. John chapter 13, if you would look in verse 34 please. It's Jesus said in that verse, 
A new commandment I give unto you, that was to his followers, that you love one another, okay, but it didn't stop there. Look at the, the, the condition or, or the explanation. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this, if you love one another in the same manner in which we've been loved by Christ, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. I uh, remember one time um, sending somebody to pick up a young lady who was coming in from one of her Bible colleges. She was coming here for an event. And uh, sent somebody and I said, you, you don't know them or what they look like. They said, I won't have trouble picking them out. And they didn't. Why? Because when they went up to the airport, uh, narrowed down distinctly. Okay, that one's probably it. There's a look. There's a way, there's a way they carry themselves. There's a way they're dressed. There's a way they behave. And, and they were, they said, no problem at all finding them. And uh, wouldn't it be great if we were that distinct because of our love? That's what God wants for us. That's how He wants us to be, one towards another. And He says that there. He said, he said uh, uh, that you love one another. How, Jesus? As I have loved you. Okay. May I say to you right to begin the message, in order to accomplish that, we're going to have have him working in us and through us to do that. Look in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, as you turn over there, let me ask you a question, and it's not a rhetorical question, but I am not trying to elicit an answer from you on it. Wouldn't you really like to love in a better way than what you do? Are not some of the major frustrations you deal with in life Trying to communicate the love that you actually have in your heart out in a way that is not abrasive or callous. Well, Jesus can help you with that. Look in verse 12 of John chapter 15. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Isn't it great? Jesus is always able to point to how he did something to teach us how to do it. <laughs> Jesus never, ever, 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 ever said, and couldn't say, and wouldn't say, don't do as I do, do as I say. These things, O Theophilus, that Jesus began both to do and to teach. You can always look at the life of Christ as the example of what's being taught. It's a complete harmony of those things. No, no, no fracturing there at all. Look over in 1 John, right? Towards the end, before, just shortly before Revelation, but look in 1 John chapter 4. And I just show you a sampling with this. Learning to love is the serious business of Christianity. First John chapter four. Verse eleven. Beloved, if God so loved us. We also, we ought also to love one another. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. How did he so love us? Oh, how about this? Verse 9, in this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a rare word in the Bible. 
And another place where that word underlined that shows up, it says mercy seat. The place where the mercy of God met the need of man. And so what he is, he said, uh, love us. He said, if you're going to love, love in the way that I have loved. By the way, I think you've already probably caught on a little bit just at the beginning. We're not talking about working up a certain set of emotions. (laughs) I've told you before the great advice I got before I got married. Mr. Ken Scott that I was living with and working with that summer, he, uh, uh, he and I were out to breakfast before we went to work. He was building a, uh, an area, and I, I was the sod crew, green side up. Doesn't take a lot of technical ability. And uh, I said, I'm getting ready to get engaged. In fact, I bought my, bought my wife's engagement ring and such up there in Holland, Michigan, and they helped me learn. I didn't know anything about clarity and brilliance, all that. They gave me an education on how to buy a diamond. And, uh, and uh, I thought you'd just get the right Cracker Jack box. You were good. But he, uh, he said, uh, I said, give me some advice. I said, you, Miss Marlene, obviously love each other. You've been married a lot of years. You've got a good relationship. I'd watched them in their home. I lived with them for part of the summer. And I said, uh, talk to me. I said, I don't, have any, I, don't have, I don't have a dad to give me advice on this stuff. I said, why can't you tell me? We're eating breakfast. I've told you this before, but, but catch it. He said, well, he said, there are going to be things that you appreciate about each other and things that annoy you. Now, that's never happened in 33 years of marriage at our house. <laughs> I detect a, a little spirit of cynicism among you. But he said there are going to be things. He says what you choose to focus on will determine what your heart does. He said you choose to think about what is good and think about what is nice. He said, you'll learn to love. He said, you, t- you, f- you focus on the faults and the shortcomings, you'll learn not to. Pass me the eggs, or pass me the salt. I sort of, that's how he ended it. I may not have him word for word, but I got the lesson, then pass me the salt. That was the end of it. He wasn't much for long speeches. What was he saying? He was saying that love is, is more than just an emotion. I'm glad it includes emotion. I'm glad emotion comes along with it at times. I'm a pretty emotional sort of fellow. Uh, a lot of folks uh, say to me, well, I'm glad you're very steady. I am, but it's a choice to be because I believe God's worthy of that. But I tell you, I'm, I, I don't know, I may be manic depressive. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's just there. But choose not to live that way. Listen, loving is more than just an emotional response to uh, something that uh, we find pleasant. A pleasant voice, a pleasant look, a pleasant action. And, and so we respond to that and we say that's love. Love goes far deeper than that. It's far more important than that. And if we learn to love as Christ loved, we're going to be dealing on a, a level of commitment and a level, level of caring that decides to love. Uh, you, you know, it fascinates me. And I say that probably just, uh, it's probably too, that's uh, uh, probably not the right word to adorn the sentence, but it's, it's the best I can bring up right now. But, but I guess admiration would be better. For, I admire this. When I see someone out and uh, they're somebody who uh, looks as if they've been married for a good number of years or such, and maybe one of them is in a wheelchair, maybe even they're not even able to feed themselves completely, that, and the other one is just taking care of every little detail. I will sit there and think in those situations, Brother Robin, I'll think, I wonder what they were like as a young couple. I wonder what it was like when they could both walk together and they had their full strength and health. And yet, when they got to a point where all those pleasant things were no longer available, 
where if it's the wife that doesn't do as well and she is, uh, she is feeling that she is not worthwhile anymore because she can no longer do what she used to do, but the husband still loves her and the wife the same towards the husband. It's a real thing. It's a very real thing. And learning to love and learning to care the way that Christ does involves the reality of our human condition, which is the fact that we're very broken people and we need the love of Christ coming through us to others. Jesus is not going to sit down and put a hand on your loved one today, put an arm around him and tell him he loves him. He needs you to do that. I do not understand why married people don't say I love you when they hang up on the phone. I don't understand why a child would not say to a parent, I love you when they have that parent. Or even more emphatically, I don't understand this, why that a parent would not say that to a child. You can't fix all the problems of the world with it, but the reassurance and the strength you can give just by speaking love towards somebody is an amazing thing. As people, we're learning to live and learning to love. By the way, tears and allowing God to work on us is a very, very appropriate thing in the house of God. We're way too resistant against God working on us. If we're not careful. We get You come when the music starts. You do the different things. I'm not despising anybody who does that, but uh, we better be open to what God's trying to do with us and allow ourselves to feel and to hurt and to love and to grow. Um, how do we love like Jesus did? Well, all these different commands, I thought of these simple things to give you today that may help put it into perspective. I, I thought about the love of Christ. I thought, you know, it was a redemptive love. He bought us back. If I'm going to have the kind of love Christ did, I'm going to have a redemptive love. No, I can't forgive someone's sins. I can't place them in a the right relationship with God but I can always be seeking to salvage them in every sense of the word. I'm glad when Christ saved me from hell, that wasn't the end of salvation. He has been salvaging me ever since. And when I've been astray from Him, my heart distant and cold, that He did not give up the salvaging just because of where I was. I'm glad that He's worked on salvaging me from wrong thoughts, wrong emotions, <clears throat> um, narrow thinking, shallow love. These things. He's always working on salvaging, bringing us up to something better. That's redemptive love. <laughs> I've said to you time and again in, in here, one of the best things a parent can ever learn to do is listen. Listen. Ask a question. Find out what's going on. <laughs> I understand there are times punishment is necessary, and I have administered it. But punishment's not a real growth tool. It's it's the final step of saying that somebody has to understand something hurts and has consequences. But boy, do we ever slow down enough to look to see if we're dealing with someone who's being rebellious or someone's having a struggle? 
That's a serious question. Are they fighting and stiff-necked? Or do they not know what to do? Or are they overwhelmed? <laughs> Don't have very many young people in here so I can say this freely. I try not to put your adults on the spot in front of your kids. And I'm not pointing out a particular item here. If this hits home with something that happened at your house, I can honestly before God tell you. <laughs> Holy Spirit nailed you, buddy, because I had no clue, okay? So that's just the way it goes, or ma'am, or whoever it hits, all right? <laughs> you got to watch these things when you're preaching. They're like boomerangs. They come back and hit you up here, too. Child comes along, and for some reason, they're just out of sorts. And they just lose it. I'm not talking about a real little one. And boy, they, they're... Ah, First reaction if we're not careful. You don't have to get yourself under control. Get rid of that attitude. Go do it. <clears throat> Next day you come in from work doing the same thing. Would you just give would you just give a certificate of authority to your wife to send you to your room next time you do that? <laughs> I'm not saying that the, the it should be just allowed to go on. But do you know if ever there was this thing of saying, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. Hold on, what's going on? What's really going on? And if they knew you wanted to hear, they might actually tell you what hurt them. And you might be able to do that thing we ought to do, which is try to help them learn how to step through that thing. Sometimes we want our kids to be so spot on perfect with things that we forget that failure is a part of growth. And those failures, when they're under our protective umbrella, can be used as a time of growing. When we learn, it's redemptive love. We're trying to bring people up. We're trying to make that person stronger. There's such a shift, and I've watched so many different times. Well, they don't do this for me. They don't do that for me. They are not thinking of me. They and all that's the talk. And that is not redemptive love. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ did not need that cross he did not need Gethsemane. He did not need the tomb. He did not need the resurrection. It was those he loved that needed it. And his redemptive love caused him to say, I'm going to, by my love, bring you to a place where you haven't been before. I know we have to learn how to do this well. I long in my heart to do this well. I really do. I want to do this well towards my family. I want to do this well towards this church. I long in my heart to keep learning how to do this well. This is redemptive love. Then can I say to you, the love of Christ is reaching love. It was manifested on the cross. It is proclaimed in the gospel. And it is to be shown in our lives as those who are saved. It's a reaching love. It, it's not passive. <laughs> Got a little note from Thanksgiving. I love you, Brother Man. Brother Larry Smith. Love you and your family. Just love them. You know, that, that's reaching them. Now, Brother Larry Smith was raised and, and, and grew up and, and by nature is about as ramrod straight and hard-nosed as a man you're ever going to deal with. He's a businessman, and I guarantee you, if you did business with him, he'd be honest with you, but I guarantee you, you would not get a penny out of him he didn't mean to. And probably, he would get some of your pennies. Not by treachery, but that's just him. No fooling around. 
This is, I mean, honest. He's one of those genuinely tough men. Not mean, just strong. That's him. Been that way forever. No give, no nonsense on that. But he has chosen, and he's, he's, he's talked about it before, he has chosen to have a reaching love. Because you know what? It's very easy for him to be, because of his nature. That's the way it is. Yeah. The old preacher John R. Rice, it was said of him, his, his wife one time said, John R., you, you haven't told me you love me. And, and, or she asked him, she said, why do you love me? And he said, the Bible commands me to. <laughs> and she said, John R., that doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> May I suggest to you that a reaching love. You say, well, sometimes when you reach love, you get hurt with love. Yes, you do. And can did not Christ? How painfully was he hurt by reaching? If you cannot reach out of your own accord, then may I seriously challenge you to learn to reach out on his behalf. And as you start to do that, it may open doors for you in other areas that will be a help to you. Then it's not only redemptive love and reaching love, but it's reliable love. <laughs> She loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. You know that. I used to love you, but now I don't. I thought I love you, but I don't. Boy, that's the kind of world we live in, isn't it? You're my best friend until you said something I didn't like. I'm glad that Christ has reliable love. <laughs> I forget who I was, I was talking to. Maybe someone in this room, I can't remember. This is nice. My head and my heart's getting softer as I get older. Um, but they said, uh, they were talking about uh, somebody doing wrong and, and they said to him, they said, no. Said, they said, are you still angry at this person? And, and they said, no. I said, I'm a Virgo. I don't have all the horoscope stuff. And, and they said, what's that mean? That's, and he says, I'm not, I don't stay mad at you. You just no longer exist. Um, <laughs> I'm a Virgo. Uh, they <laughs> stay mad at you? You're gone. <laughs> It wouldn't be very reliable love, would it? Um, it is. Uh, I'm glad the love of God is reliable. I think sometimes we have a little bit of a disconnect understanding the love of God because it, it is so different in some of its basics than what we call love is. But there's a very reliable love. When, uh, when we buried my mom, we were up there at Caney at the cemetery up on the hill. And we were burying her, and I had just gotten done preaching the, 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 the graveside service. And then we went, and we knew we couldn't make it back by Wednesday night. There was nowhere to go to church. The timing everything just absolutely could not work because we were back up in the hill of eastern Kentucky. And so I told the people, I said, oh, we're going to have a few minutes. We have a midweek service at our church, and we're just going to go over here up where they used to have August meeting up on the hill up here. Any of you want to come, we're going to sing some songs, just have quick thought from the Bible and then be dismissed. And all but two of my cousins came over and we sang some songs. It was, it was kind of a sweet time. And gave them a quick Bible thought and that sort of thing up on the hill. Afterwards, my brother and I are walking along and we're talking and I, I was talking to him and I said, John, I said, I'd love to see you come to the Lord. And, and we're talking. And he goes, yeah, like that. And just, it wasn't no, gay, nay. And then he, we were talking a few minutes and he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, 
He said, I owe me anything towards you, little brother. He said, I have no doubt you and Sandra. He says, you love me. He says, but he said, we just buried the one person in the world that I knew loved me. No matter what I did, and no matter where I was. His words, he said, she wouldn't put up with my nonsense, but I never doubted she loved me. Uh, that's that, that's quite a testimony. And uh, it's reliable love because it's a decision to love. I think we want to be that way, don't we? Not be just because of the stimuli given to us by someone else and we're reacting to that and saying, okay, I love because you're lovable. But what about when they're not lovable? May God give us grace. I'm not saying this is an easy thing. I'm not even saying it's a natural thing. I'm saying it's what Christ wants to do in and through us. And we have to walk with Him to get it. And then it's a real love. I thought of these two verses. Let me backtrack just a moment on reliable love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The Bible tells us that it goes through a whole list. The height or depth. Nothing is going to be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's reliable. And this little phrase, I want to make sure I gave it to you. I'm always fascinated by this phrase. It says about Jesus, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them until the end. What did he say to Judas when Judas betrayed him? How did he address Judas? Friend. If you think it was in a sort of catty, sarcastic tone then may I suggest you you need to read more Scripture about your Savior because you won't find Him ever doing things that way. Then real love is practical. Look in uh, 1 John chapter 3. Real love is practical. It's uh, Love is a real love. We have a redemptive love, a reaching love. It should be reliable. And then it's real love or practical love. 1 John chapter 3. I don't really need to elaborate on these verses I'm going to turn you to. We're going to go to a couple places. Look in 1 John chapter 3. And look down. Let's just look at verse 17. But whoso hath this world's goods, world's good rather, and seeth his brother have what? Need. Please understand the exact words that are used. It's a need. And shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. In other words, he knows there's a need. He feels compelled towards it. sees what to do and has the capacity to be helpful. And decides he's just not going to do it. How dwelleth the love of God in him? He said the love of God is not flowing through and dwelling in you because if it is, it goes towards other. You see your brother having need and you have the capacity to help. And you know you should help. And you just decide not to. James chapter 2 deals with the same type of subject. Look in James chapter 2. It's real love. It's great to have feeling. It's great to deal with emotion. It's great to do all that. 
But if it doesn't come down to action, then it is like the Scripture will say here. It's like faith without works, which is dead. Because real faith produces works. I don't know how many people I've had in this town over the years tell me, man, I believe first of all to be in church. When was the last time you were in church? 12 years ago. Don't tell me what you believe when you're not doing it. Real belief produces real action. James chapter 2. Look down in verse 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, this is not someone who broke their expensive toy, got themselves into debt, and wants you to bail them out of a bad decision. Because there are people who will take these verses and use them to twist you in a circle. You have wisdom. Look what it says. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, they do not have the basics needed for living. And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. I'm praying for you, brother. You know, if they've not had a meal in two days, they don't need you to pray for them. They need you to buy them a hamburger. Be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things what are needful to the body, what doth it profit? They're shivering, they're hungry, and you say, God bless you, I'm praying for you. See you later. <laughs> Let me roll the window back up on my car. It's getting cold in here. It's, there's a real part of love. It is not flamboyant. It doesn't go around advertising it. It doesn't, it doesn't do it to be known, but it looks for real needs to be able to give real help when it's not enabling somebody to continue in a bad thing, but it's actually able to help them. There's a lot I could say on that, but let me show you First, first Timothy 5. By the way, I believe that every step of this love I've been talking to you about helps you to have the wisdom to know how to administer the real love and do it properly in the way that God wants it. Because it's a situation-by-situation call. You don't get a one-size-fits-all answer. You have, to, you have to have some wisdom from the Lord. Look in verse 8 of 1 Timothy 5. If any, look at the word, provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Context of this is the church was being charged with taking care of some widows. They were wanting the church to fully care for them. And the Spirit sent through the word and said, you're supposed to take care of your own family. And the church is only chargeable when there's no family to do it. My mom was a member of Liberty Baptist Church where we helped start. She went regularly up until her health so completely failed that she no longer could. May I say to you at no point was it Liberty Baptist Church's responsibility towards my mom's medical bills, her propane bills, her insurance bills, 
or any of the other things for which she did not have the basic finances. That was my brother's and mine. So what about your sister? I believe my sister went above and beyond, beyond all of us, as far as what she did. But I believe in the succession of things as I understand it in the, in, in the Scripture. The, it was first my brother's. He did not have the same capacity to do something that I would have at the time. And so it was my brother's and it's mine. Our mom was our responsibility. That's real love. That's real love. Why? Because the Bible says it. If I did not do what I could do, and there are situations you can't do. Can I, can I tell you one of the most gut-wrenching things I see people go through and it just tears people apart is where a person's medical situation gets to a point where them caring for them themselves is dangerous for everybody. Either because physically they've gotten to that point or in the case of Alzheimer's, dementia type thing, it gets to where the person, you, they'll get in the middle of the night, they'll do all kinds of things. And the family has to take the step of professional help because it is, it is irresponsible and dangerous to try to keep doing what you cannot do. Or to where there's just not the resource. It's overwhelming financially. And there's a heartache that people have when you get into that because they cannot do whatever, everything that's in front of them. Can I say this to you? And I'm not being cruel to you as your pastor. I think that all of us, you ought to be able to thank God that that matters to you that way. It would be a very sad thing and a very bad thing for your soul if that didn't matter to you. You may face hard decisions, and I may face hard decisions in life. I'd say I'd take care of my wife no matter what, but what if it was me that no longer could sustain, or could no longer take care, or could no longer produce an income, and then she had a need? What would I do then? I'm trying to tell you, let's not, I'm not giving you any of this so you can sit in judgment on what somebody else is or isn't doing. You do well to realize you don't know all the details of people's place, and that's not our place. All I'm saying to you is that while we can and when we can by any means, we're to follow what the Scripture says and we're to love and care for our own. But that solicitude is not just for those who have infirmity and not just for those who have some type of weakness that they can't care for themselves. But what about the real need of love, the real need of, uh, of comfort, the real need of hearing and sometimes somebody looking at you and saying, you know what? You're worthwhile. You know what? I love you. You know what? You're worth something. What about that? If we withhold that and don't give that when we can, how is that any worse than not giving them the food that their body needs when we could give them the food their soul needs and yet we choose not to because of past hurts or bitterness deeply held in our heart? Love is Christ. I told you. It's not something we're going to do in the flesh. Just isn't. It's not a theoretical exercise. It's real life. And here's the thing about it. No matter how much of it you have received or not received in life, no matter how equipped or ill-equipped you feel by how you've come up, 
If you're a child of God sitting here today, the one that lives inside you, Christ, in the person of the Holy Spirit lives inside you, may I remind you the Bible says God is love. What you need to do this is already there. You ready for this? Really simple statement that isn't as simple as it seems. What you've got to learn to do is get out of the way. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear fear of all these things is the main reason why we are limited in these areas. God help us. You say, well, I'm not doing this well. (laughs) Do you want to? If you have to want to, you've got the basic building block to start with. Does it matter to you? If it matters to you, then you can learn. Well, that's the way I've always been. Is it the way you always want to be? What do you want to be? Is it in keeping with the Word of God? Didn't Jesus tell us to love one another as He loved us? Isn't that what the Bible just said? We know His will on it. All I'm encouraging today is don't don't settle for anything less than that. Let me pray with you. Father, thank You for Your people. And uh, Lord, this truth is goes all the way to the core. Lord, I want to live it. I think a lot of people in the room do. Seem there were many who were just really thinking about these words. God, I pray you'll help them to know in their particular situation how to get out of the way. Let the charity come from them towards others, please. Bless this invitation with real searching hearts. Stand together, please. And bring something to the Lord. Why don't you this morning, if you wouldn't?